In my early 20s, I considered myself to be quite the high-ranking urban explorer. I had long since dove deep into the realm of abandoned places long before this story takes place. I had seen some truly amazing and beautiful places, forgotten about humanity and taken back by nature. These places always left me with great feelings and some extremely good photos, as I considered myself an amateur photographer as well. Anyway, in the summer of 2008, a co-worker at my job informed me of an abandoned coal mine in the woods near our work, which was a department store in rural South Dakota. The store was surrounded by a thick, forested area, and it was no surprise that such a place existed within the woods. Unfortunately, that co-worker had no desire to delve into the mine, so I instead brought the idea up with my friend, Ray, who was offered the idea of an adventure. My co-worker explained that the mine was right off the main bike path that led through a section of the woods and circled back around into town, and I was ecstatic at how close by this location was. However, my co-worker seemed very keen on trying to convince us to avoid the mine, texting me later that day while I prepared myself for the exploration, saying that he had experienced some strange things there before. Refusing to back down from this new challenge, I informed him I was going with or without his blessing, and turned my phone off. I slipped my backpack over my shoulder, the likes of which contained all my necessary tools, such as my camera, heavy-duty flashlights, bandanas to cover our mouths and avoid breathing in harmful toxins, my tripod, water bottles, and a few camera batteries. I tossed my backpack into my truck and I picked up Ray, and with that, we drove back to our work, parking my truck in my designated spot and quickly locked and exited the car, looking for the bike path that led into the woods. The path was on the far corner of the lot and was all gravel, and closed off with a yellow chain and a sign stating the hours it was publicly open. We walked on the gravel path and into the woods, the thick South Dakota forest consuming us into quietness and wilderness. My co-worker had told me to turn onto the first separating gravel path on the right side of the main one, and as we did, we could see a clearing ahead of us where only a few trees stood. It was around 4pm, so thankfully, it would be bright out even if we were inside the mine for a few hours. I pulled my bandana over my mouth and exchanged a glance with Ray as we approached the tunnel into the earth. I shined my light inside and let out a deep cough as I stepped onto the rocky ground of the tunnel, a heinous amount of dust bombarding my lungs. Shining my light around illuminates the tunnel, with rock formation walls and graffiti littering the inside of the mine. Ray steps down next to me, the two of us examining the tunnel. I could feel my socks growing wet and I looked down to the smooth stone floor to notice about two inches of murky brown water settled on the floor. The two of us began to walk, wading and splashing through the tunnel, staffing pictures of the exponential graffiti, when we both noticed some natural lighting shining into the tunnel ahead of us, from what seemed to be a gaping hole in the roof of the tunnel. The water seemed to grow deeper and the graffiti grew lighter as we dropped off deeper into the mine, as the entrance became out of sight when we turned around. The dirty water was around 5 inches, covering my feet, when we found the source of the natural light just ahead of us now. 
in some sort of room in the tunnel. Complete with wooden support beams and the first graffiti we had seen in around 10 minutes, Lulee painted on the wooden beams with some unsettling messages. As it grew harder to breathe, the further we went in. This room was severely out of place. The floor was rocky and uncut, unlike the smooth floor ahead of it and behind us. There was no water in this room, as it was elevated a few inches above the rest of the tunnel. And obviously, the newer looking messages on the wooden beams. Turn back. Stop. And then the final beam, which was the most unnerving, which read, Burn. We brushed off the oddness of the room and we slowly moved through it, enjoying the natural light from the hole in the roof, before moving back down into the flooded tunnel. We walked in near silence now. There was no graffiti to look at, no interesting rooms, nothing. Just a rocky tunnel with a growing amount of dirty water now up to my ankles. After wandering around maybe a mile into the earth, Ray stops ahead of me, and he looks back at me, his eyes wide and filled with terror. He hurriedly turns his light off and dramatically motions for me to do the same, and despite rolling my eyes, I did. Now swallowed in the darkness, we stand in silence, listening to the steady drips of water somewhere in the mine. I heard something, talking I think, Ray whispers, as I drop my camera to my side and I listen carefully. The mine was disturbingly quiet, and I heard nothing but the drips of water still. I reassure him that everything is fine. Who else would be this deep in this desolate tunnel? As we flip our lights back on and continue to move through the rocky, dusty mine shaft, I remember getting a strange feeling of dread and regret. In all of my adventures, that was my first time I gave it a second thought. Something in my head was saying there was something wrong, and no matter how much I tried to reassure myself, the truly ominous feeling of that damn mine continued to get to me. We move through the mine silently now. I swore on myself for not packing respirators as the air quality this far into the earth was horrendous. The water was still ankle deep. The graffiti had long since passed. I truly felt like we were the first humans to ever go this far into the planet. That was until I heard the unmistakable sound of whispering. I felt my heart drop and my muscles tighten in true terror as I rushed and fumbled to turn on my flashlight, throwing my hands out and smacking around the arm who picks up on it and turns off his light as well, leaving us totally vulnerable in the mind. With just the sound of our breathing, we listened in horror as ahead of us in the mind, some unknown person spoke in gibberish, the words fast and in total nonsense. The best way to describe what we were hearing was when you hear someone speaking in tongues. Ray whispers his desire to get the hell out of there as I notice the sheer terror in his eyes as the gibberish speaking man grows louder and the sounds of this deranged man banging on some sort of metallic object made me jump and immensely chilled me to my very core. I steady my breathing and then decide to move just a bit further into the tunnel. The sounds weren't far. Maybe he needed help. Ray begins to swear and curse at me in agony as I flip my light back on and begin moving quicker down the tunnel, the sounds of the deranged man growing louder and seemingly more aggressive. My body was shaking and nearly convulsing in fear as I shined my light up onto the left side of the tunnel. 
about 100 yards from where me and Ray had stopped when we began to hear the noises. I freeze in some of the most heart-pounding terror I had ever experienced as my flashlight illuminates a side tunnel. The first I had seen within the mine, surrounded by fresh-painted neon yellow arrows pointing inside the chasm. I snap a picture and as soon as I do, the horrific gibberish screaming halts suddenly and I wipe the immense sweat from my brow. I turn to look at Ray who begins to make way in fear as I slowly take a step towards the rocky chasm. Get out now! The hissing scream of words erupt from within the hole in the wall as Ray and I begin to scream in terror, tripping and splashing in the water as the adrenaline of sprint fills my body. The two of us sprint, tripping and slipping through the water as the drenched man begins screaming behind us at the top of his lungs, screeching and berating us. Some words understandable, other total gibberish. The screeching of his voice echoed throughout the rocky tunnel. His voice in a truly sinister and horrific tone that will haunt me for eternity. I can hear rapid footsteps behind us as Ray and I dead sprint through the mine, swearing and cursing and screaming during the most heart-wrenching moments of my life. As I turn to look back, shining my flashlight in confusion, panting and cursing, my light illuminates his shadow. He had stopped running and screaming. He just seemed to be watching us as we continued to run through the tunnel. We momentarily stopped to catch our breath, panting and coughing as I noticed the dust seemingly growing thicker, and the realization hits me that we were still about a mile from the entrance to the mine. We... we need to get the fuck out of here, Ray sputters, spiraling into a set of deep coughs. I shine my flashlight around the walls, noticing minimal amounts of graffiti, further proving how far into the earth we still were. However, our rest was short-lived, as this clearly unstable man began to plead for us to listen to him and how sorry he was. I shushed Ray with my finger, his eyes as wide in fear as my own, as we continued to listen to his maniacal claims. Please come back. I'm... Oh, I'm so lonely down here. You'll get used to it as soon as I... I promise. Just stay a while. He pleads his voice cracking with each syllable like he hadn't spoken in days. As the words leave his mouth, I quickly shove my camera to my backpack and motion Ray to start running again. And we do, sloshing through the vile water and ignoring the horrid air quality, purely just wanting to leave this awful place. The man behind us had other plans, however, because as soon as he heard us beginning to run again, his tone deepened and it became sinister again screaming obscene things that he would do to us. Some things I don't really want to mention, and I knew that we had to leave and never come back. Ray and I moved faster, using the dusty rock walls of the tunnel for support. My entire body soaked in the nasty brown water as we finally reached the large room with the wooden pillars, and the man's voice trailing far behind, his echoes barely audible. We slowed our pace. I remember my lungs feeling heavy and my chest would erupt in a shooting pain every time I moved in a certain way. Ray and I spoke little to none, as nothing would ever reach the level of pure joy and satisfaction we had when the natural light from the entrance to the tunnel welcomed us. Second favorite to that is when we felt the setting sun on our skin. We never did report this to the police and our reason was simply as we were trespassing on severely private property.
In the ten years that have followed since this event, I have never returned to that awful place and I never will. I'd be lying if I said anything else happened, but no. I never had another bad experience with an abandoned place and I still explore to this day. However, on a rare occasion when one of my friends brings up tunnels or underground things, I can feel those same fear-inducing shivers shoot up my spine. You can't. 